Yes, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that the battle has been won, that the victory is ours, Lord God, that we are patient, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, that we are not anxious. Father God, that we rest our hope fully in you. We thank you, Lord God, for the revelation of Jesus Christ, even as you come to us in the new understandings at Christmas time, at the time of Bethlehem, at the time of the... Um, birth of Jesus Christ, who is our true Savior and the true reason for this season. And thank you, Lord, for the prophecies. Thank you for the words of promise. Thank you for the many uh, promises you've given to us personally, Lord God, that we would be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Make our requests be made known to you and receive the answers. Father, we thank you now for the the protection over our, our airwaves over our ears, our minds, our hearts, that we have eyes to see, ears to hear, heart to receive the revelation of your love and truth, the spirit of peace, the spirit of reconciliation and goodwill. And I thank you, Lord God, that you give us divine protection, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And we ask these things now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we are definitely at this most wonderful time of the year. It's a wonderful life, all these kinds of things that we associate with the birth of Christ, which most of the things we associate with the birth of Christ actually have are very... nothing to do with yeah, the exactly, Jesus Christ. Yeah, exactly. nothing so, so to do Christmas with Jesus. Christmas really obstructs... Yeah, the celebration the, of Christian, the most part, yeah, of Christmas. The celebration it, it, the of celebration, Christmas. The celebration of the, you know, the, from Santa Claus to shopping to yeah, panic parties and, and, yeah. and Black Friday and all that stuff. But it, it gets... It really, I like the word you used, obstructs and it detracts from the real meaning of Christmas and the real peace and simplicity of God, his promises. It is a profound revelation, the Bethlehem event where God actually, um, you know, intervened in the affairs of men in a very dramatic way. He's done that several Several times we see with the flood, we see with the intervention at the Tower of Babel, we we see with, um, you know, choosing the ten the ten commandments, Moses on the mountain. We see the dramatic the opening of the Red Sea. We see God intervening in the affairs of men from time to time in a very dramatic way, and it seems like He kind of paces those interventions. You know, every thousand years or so, there's something that happens, but this this one that happened two thousand nineteen years ago, approximately maybe between 2019 and 2021 years ago was a me- uh, uh, sweet. It was sweet. It was really the... Well, you, more than sweet, it is the most profound intervention. Um, it, it, it's a miraculous intervention. It's a, you know, only God can do this. It's a goodwill intervention. It's a goodwill in- intervention Many of the, into the, inter- the world, into a world of really, of, of sin and hopelessness, chaos, e- mm-hmm. chaos mm-hmm. Uh, oppression, idolatry. Uh, lost. Demon, they were lost. People that were full of demons. Confused, uh, lost. Messed up with all kinds of religious paganism. ceremonies, paganism, yeah. and, and, and uh, even those that supposedly had, you know, the Ten Commandments had had gotten into 
religious legalism, legalism mm-hmm. rules, all, all kinds of well, the, the, that mm-hmm. uh, had really nothing to do with with the love of God, what God wanted. So, you, this this is a, a breakthrough. And and you know, Marjorie, I, what we'd like to do is get away. We see the you know the manger scene mm-hmm. uh, on the lovely Christmas cards and. And, and all this uh, pastoral thing with the shepherds and the wise men. And there, there, it's so, uh, yes, it's good that we look at that, but we have to look deeper, much deeper, to see what is really going on here. And it, there's powerful things. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look at today some of the things that are really, um, how can I say it, be well, fulfilling deeper, of promises. Fulfilling mm-hmm. of promises. Prophetic prophecies, prophecies that were yeah, given at right at, at the time of, of Jesus' birth. Prophecies that were given, hundreds of prophecies that were given through the prophets in the Old Testament, um, and actually through the through the law, there were prophecies. But here we see prophecies just kind of exploding again. Many different ones, several different ones that were very significant. Uh, not only about what is going to happen. Yeah but principles of how God uh, operates in his grace and his redemptive power. Right. And, you know, uh, those prophecies are taking us forward from the point where they're made. Uh, A prophecy will speak into the future, will speak into the uh, things that are to come. And I think with these wonderful people, um, Mary, Elizabeth, John, uh, Zachariah, sorry, um, Joseph, the various ones, they, they were the carriers of these um, not only the com- the completion of the older prophecies, the the ones that had been given by Isaiah and Jeremiah and things, but these are now people keep prophesying themselves. They're actually we don't think of Mary necessarily as a prophet or Elizabeth, but in fact they are. So they, uh, um, they let's act- go. They actually are. What well, are the prophecies well, we're going to well, look at? I think of the prophecy here of first of Gabriel to Mary mm-hmm. in, in Luke chapter one. So you've got. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was a prophecy. You know, we could talk about this, too. We spoke of this uh, at our last time of Rescue Radio, um, of the prophecy that was given to Zacharias regarding John the Baptist, who was going to be the forerunner of Jesus. And that in itself is very powerful. But today we're looking at um, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Okay, now listen. Here, here's the prophetic part. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying and considered what manner of greeting this one, this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and we will be called the son of the highest. This is this is powerful. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So, so he's saying... This, this is, is the, the word of the, of the angel, the, the messenger angel from God. This is like the your top shelf. This is this is right, Gabriel. This is right from the mouth <laughs> of God. I mean, this is there's no other. Uh, this is an angelic prophecy. If so you this will. angel or, isn't just doing his own thing. He's, no. he's sent by God 
mm-hmm. to this obscure little kind of business, tough little border town called Nazareth. Mm-hmm. But he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. You know, right there, can we just stop on that? Because I was reading in Hebrews just today or yesterday about this very God, this, you know, who is he? Jesus, yes, he was going to be born as a baby. Obviously, he took on the form of a man, a human being. He started out just like we start out as babies, but he was born actually, you know, in a barn. So if you've been born in a barn or your beginning wasn't that glamorous, you're in good company with the Son of God. And it's interesting how God allowed his son, permitted his son, for various reasons, I'm sure that only God knows all of them, to be obscurely brought forth in this hidden, sort of in this uh, town of Bethlehem, as we will see, uh, in a stable, in a, ma- in a manger scene where he's cast out already. He's not, re- he's not even received at his birth. There's no place for him, no room for him in the inn, no place for him. It's very di- uh, symbolic of the fact that he came into this world and, uh, and of his own, and his own received him not. But in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, verse 1, God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, to whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high." So we see he is the express image of God, even though, you know, obviously we're made in the image of God, too. That's interesting. And God crafted Adam and Eve, created them uh, with bodies and made them also in his image. Let us make man in our image. So we're still being made in the image of God, even though people will deny that and say that was lost with sin. No, it's not, because even the Old Testament Genesis verifies that at the flood they were still being made in the image of God. Um, and so, but here he is, God had tried to speak, spoke in many times, in many different ways in the times past by the prophets to the mm-hmm. fathers. Mm-hmm. And in these last days, last days, the, the, this is, we are now looking at Mary, Matthew, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are the last days, the beginning of the last days. Jesus' birth is the initiation of the last days. And the, this was all the pro- major prophecies were of of the Old Testament, were of the of the the prophet that would come, right? You know, and, the Messiah, and, and, and it says uh, Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen. God told Moses, He said, "I'm the Lord will raise up a prophet like unto you." Yeah. In other words, there's a promised prophet that's coming. He that is like basically Moses. here's the prophet that has the final word on, on everything. everything. And like Moses was a prophet and a delivering prophet. He was the deliverer out of Egypt. We also Jesus, see Jesus is coming to deliver us from the oppression of the demonic world. And so he, being the express image of God, the brightness of his glory, um, upholding all things by the word of his power, it says in uh, Colossians, in Jesus Christ, all things consist. Mm-hmm. He is the one who holds everything together. And so here he is, Submitting himself as what was that verse in Philippians where it says he left his glory to become um, he, you know, he laid aside his glory, his place in heaven, his place at the throne. He was absent there for 33 and a half years to come down here to do this major, uh, you know, revelation of God's love and power. 
So he he had a job to do when he got here, but he was the express, is and was, the express image of the Father. He has the power of creation within him. Um, and then it says, that as we go on, uh, to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, I, today I've begotten you. So God the Father begot this son, Jesus Christ, through uh, the vessel of Mary and, so and the Holy Spirit. We have to keep in mind that he was begotten, not made. Jesus not created, Christ, yeah. what we know of as Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was not created. He's He's the eternal Son. He's always been the Son mm-hmm. with the Father. He is the Word. He's the living Word. And the Word John, made flesh, yeah. And John chapter 1 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory of the of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, well, here it says so in Jesus, Philippians, you know, didn't all of a sudden pop there? He yeah, is. Yeah, right. He, he was, was not, given he a body. He was not created, but he became man. He it, it, you mentioned in Philippians, Marjorie, mm-hmm. uh, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, mm-hmm. um, and, and coming in the likeness of men. So basically, so he emptied himself out. He had the appearance of a man. He was a man. He humbled himself. He came obedient, uh, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, because he was not just a man. He was a man with a purpose. The purpose was to become the final sacrificial lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. He had to die. His blood had to be shed to pay the price that death demanded, which was devil, the devil's demand that the soul of the sin shall die. So Jesus had to die in our place. That's why people can only get to heaven through the blood and death of Jesus Christ and accepting that as their atonement, accepting his righteousness, his his act of sacrifice as their own, to be participating with him in that. That's what it means when you accept Jesus. You're accepting his sacrifice. You're accepting his, um, he laid down his life in our place for us. But he was, he humbled himself. So he laid aside his glory and uh, became one of us, which I think is amazing because he, he, you know, he was like us. I mean, he had to be carried. He had to be uh, nursed. He had to be taken care of. He had to be, you know, he, he got, got tired. He got, yeah, his feet got dirty. You know, he got, yeah. probably even got scum, scunned up a little bit on, on his, uh, oh, oh, sure. as a boy playing. But he he experienced, so nobody can say, oh, you just don't understand. Because Jesus Christ, he was tempted in all points like as to us yet without sin. So he had all the pressures of every one of us. And, you know, you don't have all the pressures of everyone else in the world. But he had everybody's pressures on himself as the enemy tried in many ways to tempt him and and uh, disqualify him from becoming the sac- the holy, spotless Lamb of God. So as the eternal Word of God, and because God knows everything, he understands our weaknesses, failures, uh, all the things that we go through. Mm-hmm. So Jesus came as a human being, experiencing the you know hunger, thirst, um, physical, you know, walking, being tired, eating, all that stuff, basically not so he would understand, right. but so we would know that know he, inter- that he understands yes. in a very tangible, tangible way. Yeah. See, because when you think of God, it's like, whoa, I mean, God is uh, out there. He's, a lot of people believe untouchable, he's, he's, unreachable. he's untouchable, he's unreachable, mm-hmm. he, he's Doesn't invisible, care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. he's distant. Mm-hmm. 
He's hard to relate he's probably, to. He's probably mad at us most of the time. That's what we think, yeah. But you know, the thing is, but, God is very clear in, in, in this, in Hebrews, that he is endorsing his son. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. I will be your father. You shall be my son. And then it says, and when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness. Again, is verifying what Gabriel said. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has appointed you, anointed you, well, both, uh, with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So it's interesting there, too. He loved righteousness. He hated iniquity. Mm-hmm. And he had joy. He had more joy. Even though he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, he had more joy than any other human being ever had. Yes. Uh, because, and but we think because he knows world, he knows the end. He knows all right. of this is going to work together for good. He knows that uh, the temporary grief, sorrow, pain, affliction, anguish that Satan has put upon us that we go through is temporary, and that God will wipe away all the tears someday. And he yes. says, um, he also says, and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundations of the earth. So in other words, the Lord Je- the, the Jesus Christ, the Word of God, was present with the Godhead, part of the Godhead, at the beginning in the creation. Um, he says, the heavens are the work of your, your hands. And he says, they will perish, but you will remain. And they will grow old like a garment, still in Hebrews chapter 1. Like a cloak, you will fold them up. You created them, and now you're going to fold them up. And they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not, your years will not fail. So we see that there's a the future for this uh, child, uh, the begotten, only only begotten, only one that was begotten, son of God. And his destiny is to not only be used in the creation, but in the folding up in the, of creation, folding it up like a cloak and restarting all of the systems in the in the kingdom of heaven um, with the kingdom of heaven being here on earth. So this there's much, much, much in Gabriel's words. In Mary's words, he will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. Um, he will, and, and God himself says he gives, he's going to give his throne, him the throne of David. Well, David represented the, um, the royalty, God's royal um, line on earth. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in, in humanly and, and legally, not, you know, Jesus had to be of the house and lineage of David. right. And and we see that when we in Matthew yeah. chapter one, Luke, Luke chapter, chapter three, three. Mm-hmm. the lineages, yeah, the genealogies, and they're right there because the genealogies mm-hmm. of both Joseph and and Mary, uh, and Mary uh, Joseph in Matthew, and uh, Mary in Luke. Let's look at those a minute. And, they're kind of interesting, um, don't you think? I mean, there. You know, people don't like to do genealogies. It's kind of discipline. It kind of you got to pay attention. You got to read the words, the names. Begot, begot, son of, son of, whatever, whatever. How how boring. And does this matter for anything? Does this really matter? Well, yes, it does really matter because you come from somewhere too. And I and God is very Satan is very interested in the genealogies and the sins that were committed by the the generations past, and that's why he keeps track of them to keep track of the sins, the iniquities, and whatever it is he has, uh, feels he can work with in your generation to bring down curses, judgments, problems into your life. And, but, and, and so when we look at a genealogy, because there's a, that is the pedigree, that is the proof that you are the, the authorized, the right 
heir to the throne. You have to have that pedigree. You have to have that um, that lineage made very clear. And so it's very interesting. We have some genealogies in the book of Genesis, obviously, and then maybe Chronicles as well, in various places like that. But here we have the, the genealogy of Jesus Christ going all the way back to Adam. And, and it's very important, too, like Matthew, uh, the Gospel of Matthew is written primarily to the um, Jewish people to show that Jesus Christ is the true son of David. He is the Messiah. Well, and, and so in, in Matthew's genealogy, um, you know, there's we could spend a lot of time on that that we won't be able to do today here. Well, but. in Matthew, he starts with not Adam, or he doesn't go back to Adam. He connects, he begins with Abraham. Right, um, and Abraham, of course, is the father of the faithful, the father of the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. He, he, Jesus said, uh, "In through your seed, all the nations of the world shall be blessed." And, and the seed is speaking of not only the the Jewish people, but anybody who blesses but, the Jews, but, yeah. but and Jesus Christ accepts you, Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus is the seed of the oh. woman, according to. Genesis chapter if 3, we, verse uh, 15. If we go back, just a quick, quick review, back to the book of Genesis for a second. When God said um, to the to the serpent, serpent, he said, I will put enmity or war, means war, between your seed and the seed of the woman. And your seed will bruise his heel and, he, and her seed will crush your head. So Jesus became the, the promised head crusher. And here he is after many attempts by Satan on Satan's part to stop this blood flow, this lineage, this um, the the oh, progression, yeah. the gene- genealogical progression. I mean, he inter- he tried well, to do everything he could to stop this moment of Bethlehem. He tried everything he could to well, keep Jesus well, from being well, brought he, forth. He, you know, Satan tempted Abraham, and there was all kinds of efforts, oh. like you said, um, and in Moses too. I mean, well, we had to, we had the giants to kill, too. Tried, we had the giants. We had the flood. We had the flood had, to try to mess mm-hmm. up all the DNA mm-hmm. to make it uh, so polluted there could be no Messiah. And then the come. paganism, that Tower of Babel, the corruption of their their affections towards God. Everything, everybody was drawn off by uh, into their various nations, and all the nations were under the pagan narratives, the demonic narratives of paganism. And so the one little tiny speck of hope was Abraham and his family, and. And, you know, even as we'll see in the bloodline here, there were times when Satan tried to end the bloodline by destroying the heir, uh, by making sure there wouldn't be a next generation. And tried to destroy the, you know, babies in Moses' time, the Israelite Well, babies. yeah, even Jesus in Jesus' yeah, time. The, yeah, the, in Jesus' time. And then, of course, you, you look back uh, with Esther. The whole you know, nation. Haman yeah, he was going to kill was, the whole nation. was going to wipe out the whole nation. Yeah. So there's, there's been, uh, we could say, war on the saints. Yeah, war well, on the people of God, yeah. right from the, the carriers beginning. of the uh, truth. But, but, well, if you before you go too far into getting stuck in the middle of Matthew's genealogy, look at the end. We got the beginning. We're going to start with um, Abraham, and we're going to end with the last verse sixteen. Of it says, "And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary." of whom was born Jesus, who's called the Christ. So we see this is Joseph's genealogy. It's going to go, it's given us Joseph's bloodline. Um, and there are many interesting characters in Joseph's bloodline. Well, actually, there, <laughs> he, yeah, it, it moves forward. The gene- genealogy, as you mentioned, moves forward from Abraham to Joseph. And they're like listed here, 46 people 
whose lifetime span about 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of that. 46 people. So they waited 2,000 years from Abraham to the Bethlehem. 2,000 years. That's a long time to wait for yeah. a promise. But and and uh, so and all these people, I mean, some people were, some of these people were very godly. You yeah. Had, you had, uh, you know, you had uh, Abraham, you had Jacob, who was pretty ungodly and became godly, and you had Judah, who was... Uh, one of the twelve. One of the twelve sons of Jacob. Twelve sons of Jacob, and, then, and, and he didn't do so well in a lot of ways either. Well, he, he, let's just pick out a couple of these names. So Judah then begot twins, Zer, Perez and Zerah, by Tamar. Now Tamar was actually his daughter. His daughter-in-law, because what had happened is he had made a promise. Her first, she married his first son, oldest son, and that son um, died, I guess, uh, and then. Judah promised her the second son because that's kind of the way they did it back then. And the second son refused to uh, impregnate her because of the fact that the offspring would, would belong to his older brother. And so then um, he promised her the third son, but he never kept his promise. So Tamar actually dressed up as a prostitute and uh, be, you know sat in the tent, so to speak. And Judah came in unto her and she conceived by him. And she was clever enough to get his signet ring so that when there was obvious she was pregnant, that she would not be killed because she was carrying his his, his son his children. seed. But this is important because if Judah would have just given up, she would have had no he he would have not had a descendant. Then the line would have been broken. So Perez and and Zera um, were part of that bloodline. So then we go back and we keep going down the bloodline, and we get to Solomon. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Rahab was the red cord girl from the 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 walls of Jericho. She was also a prostitute. She, well, I'm not saying Tamar was a she prostitute. Was, she she acted like one. But Rahab, actually, that was her living. She and she was, was the one full, who protected full, the spies. So when she, then spies came through, of course, the city of Jericho, they want to take it down. What do they do? They go in unto a prostitute because no one will expect that to be anything suspicious. So they went there and she gave them some help and some instruction and told them how to escape. And they told her something. Well, we're going to take you guys out. But if you do this, hang this red cord in the window. When we come down to take this place, you will be saved. And it's interesting, even to this day, that that's the only section of the wall of Jericho that yet remains. And those stones were so big, they're megalithic. They were put in in place by the giants who had preceded them. And so she becomes the mother um, uh, she uh, of Boaz. Um, and Boaz... Obed and Obed. Here we have Ruth. Now Ruth is another stranger, not a Jew. She is where she's a Moabite. She's a Moabite from the land of. Now she was. She also uh, had a pagan nation. But yeah. She was attracted Naomi, who to was Naomi, her mother, mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. her mother-in-law, who uh, Ruth's son had died. Her Ruth's husband, I should say, had died, and and Naomi really, you know, she. Naomi was a very godly person. She says, I'm going to go back to um, Israel. Is- Israel. And uh, Ruth she said, said, I want to go with I you. I want to go with you because she recognized uh, who the one true living mm-hmm. God is. So she actually was a Gentile in a way. She was a Moabite. Although her father's generational bloodline was Lot. So she actually came from Abraham way back, uh, or of the same, the, Abraham and Lot was his nephew. So it was kind of a same bloodline. But anyway, so she begot 
uh, her and, and Obed, um, they begot Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. And then we can say David the king begot, had many sons. But his son Solomon by Bathsheba, who was not named but described, uh, interesting. Her name is not here, but she is the one they're referring to. She was the wife of Uriah. Yeah, and David committed adultery with her and... Had her husband. Had her, basically set her husband up to die in battle. Yeah. So we have a motley crew, a very character, colorful character list. So so Solomon, now we want to make note here that Solomon was one of David's sons. And then Solomon begot Roboam. And then we go down, down, down the line um, to the, through all of the, um, then we go through the captivity, the Babylonian captivity and all of that. And we have... Yeah, we had very godly kings like Hezekiah, and then we had terrible kings like Manasseh. Manasseh was very evil. And, and he the, the, actually sacrificed son, his sons and daughters to Molech. So by then, you can see how degenerating the whole thing. But then you have Josiah, who was again great, his grandson, um, who was awesome, good and holy. So it just kept going back and forth like that. So then it becomes. But notice, they all use the word begot, begot, begot. Jacob begot. Um, Joseph, Th- that means they were born of. That means they were their flesh, their seed. Um, and and, and the, but then you get to verse sixteen. It says, "And Jacob begot Joseph, okay, the, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ." So, so the, the, the Jesus, Jacob did not beget Jesus. Begot, yeah, it, he was born of Mary. This, so they're they're talking about Mary being the 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 true author of this child. Now, in terms of the human element. Right. So then we go into Joseph was actually considered in the Jewish culture. He was he was the as the husband of Mary. Uh, he was like the legal father of mm-hmm. Jesus. He was not the biological father. Of course, the, you know he is the spiritual and biological father of of Jesus. Is 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 God is God. You know through so, the, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is at his birth. We get this generational genealogical information. Then when Jesus is baptized at the initiation of his actual three and a half year ministry, we have a reconfirmation, but we have it coming through Mary's side. And so in Luke chapter three, verse 21, um, now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We're assuming at, with a proper assumption that this voice coming from heaven was the same voice that's endorsing him through the angels at Bethlehem and through the same uh, reconfirmation in Hebrews. You are my son. You are my son. You are my beloved son. In you I'm well pleased. So God was well pleased with him and he hadn't even yet totally got started on his um, ministry. But then we start in 23. Now, Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matat. And then you go down, 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 and you're going, you're working your way back towards Adam. And then we have the son of, um, uh, now in verse 31, um, we're going to go backwards, keep going backwards to Adam. Remember, the son of Malia the son of Manon, the son of Matahat, the son of Nathan, the son of David. Now, at this point, David, we see David, King David right here. Again, the only David in the line, so it's not a wrong David. So the son of David. So Nathan was also a son of David. So we see David, like I said, had several sons, and one of them was Solomon. 
And from Solomon came Joseph. Joseph was a biological descendant of King Solomon. Okay. But we see Mary, a biological descendant of King David through Nathan, which would be Solomon's half-brother. Um, not a full... Right. Yeah. So... So we're talking Nathan, you're not talking Nathan the prophet, but no, this Nathan, is a different the son Nathan. of David. Because then we go on to say... Probably after the prophet that really mm-hmm. rebuked him and called him to repentance. And then we see the, uh, Nathan, the son of David, um, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz. Now we're going back, so Boaz and Ruth, the son of Solomon, the son of Nation, all of these people that we don't know, all the way back to um, Adam, Seth. The son of Adam, the son of Adam, the son of God. So in in Mary's bloodline, notice the word is different. Um, it's son, of. son of. But also notice we have a problem in the very first verse where it says um, that 23, where it says Jesus began his ministry, um, uh, was supposed to be supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Heli. Now, if if in Matthew it says Joseph is the uh, begotten by Jacob, and here he's called the son of Heli or Eli. Uh, what is the problem? There has to be something we don't understand, some little key that's um, unlocking this mystery, because Heli and Joseph are not the same name. So Joseph can't be have two dads with two different names. He's got only one dad. So which one's his real dad? Um, the well, o- well, apparently Jacob was his real dad, and then Heli... Was his father-in-law. Heli or Eli was his father-in-law. Right. Which could be the the father of Mary. Right. Well, he was the father of Mary. And so, but even as a Mm son-in-law in those days, you were considered a son. A son. But notice they changed the word. It wasn't, he wasn't begotten by Heli. He the was son, the son of, the son so of. he was the son-in-law. So when a son-in-law came into the family, they were also considered at Sons. that point a son. Yeah. So that's why we have that's why we have Mary's bloodline here, and we know it's not the same as in the other uh, in Matthew, because there's the, the names don't match. None of the names match except when we get to Joseph. Uh, I mean to David, and then from jo- from David on, they'll match all the way back to um, Adam or Abraham or wherever you want to go back to. Uh, Matthew only goes back to Abraham. They're matching. They're all this. They're all the same descendants. There, they have the mm-hmm. same ancestors mm-hmm. all the way back to Adam. So there's no inconsistency. No, but so remember this now. Begotten means to be the blood son of begotten by, and son of means that he is now legally adopted in as a son of uh, mm-hmm. a, a, officially formally but not biologically so that's why and and so they gave the bloodline through uh, actually Mary but used used Joseph as the key um, initiator of that because he was the you know the husband of Mary mm-hmm. and actually the seen viewed as the legal father of Jesus right. even though he was not the biological right. or spiritual right. father and it's kind of cool because um, to in in the divine order of things. People are adopted. We're adopted into the family of God. We're grafted into the family of God, adopted into the family. So the adoption, the act of adoption is legal. It makes us as as um, uh, legal as uh, heirs, legal heirs to the father's um, estate as it would be if we were blood well, it, yeah, bought. It, it's just like... We are know, blood bought, but I... So if I'm an adopted child, 
in this family of God. I have as many rights as if I were born blood son of blood daughter, but there's only one blood son of God, and that is Jesus Christ. The rest of us are all adopted in as his brethren, as brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. So, uh, but, but we're still legally eligible for everything that the Lord has um, in terms of inheritance and power and the good things that are to come. Well, it, it says in John chapter 1, verse 12, but as many as received him, that has received Jesus, to them he gave the right, and the power. Uh, King James says, the power to become the sons or children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Mm-hmm. Who were not who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So you can see the genealogies are extremely important. Another kind of interesting piece is these genealogies were all kept in the temple, in the records department, um, at, like in the courthouse, so to speak. Uh, and but in seventy A.D., when the temple was completely destroyed by the Roman soldiers. What happened was all of those records were burned. Everything was burned and burned to the ground, and so all the the uh, there was no more need of any more genealogies because we had it written here. Um, it was it was preserved here through the Word of God, and by I believe these were these um, uh, Matthew and Luke had already d- done their the recording, right? And so we had it preserved through the Word of God, but. That, but the reason they were destroyed, these generational bloodlines and genealogies, is because we didn't need them anymore. Because God had preserved them to the point where he had proven the, the, the ancestry is, of Jesus Christ. Right. He had proven that Jesus and, Jesus had to be of the house and lineage right, of Right. And he is. And he and this, this is, is why. Because he, the, the angel said um, of his father David, he will, he, uh, let's see, where did he, we just read that. Yeah, he will, well, he in, will. In Isaiah chapter 9 <clears throat> and verse 7. Uh, 9, 6, and 7, and here's a verse that we hear a lot about at uh, Christmas time. For unto us, Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mm -hmm. And verse 7, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of who? David. David, mm-hmm. and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with justice, judgment and justice, even from that time forward, even forever. So, uh, so, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Yes, he will be given the throne of his father David in uh, Luke chapter 1. So we see, though, and he will reign over the house of Jacob and his kingdom, of his kingdom there will be no end. But we see that almost immediately and as Jesus Christ is, uh, uh, embedded, <laughs> introduced, whatever you want to call it, into the, the uh, hostile environment of earth, the snake pit. Uh, and, and with the designation, he will be a king, he will be a ruler, he will have the throne of David. There was a complete um, reverberation of that, I think, in the spiritual kingdom. I don't think the humans knew about it yet uh, until the wise men showed up. But um, but the the spiritual kingdom knew that this child, da- Jesus, the uh, descendant of David, would be a threat to their plans, their kingdom, a plans to take over the world and rule and reign forever with their abominations. So, well, well, so they're they're already he they began to stir up the trouble, even even within uh, several months of the time that Jesus was born, when they stirred up Herod to go after and kill him. So there's already a purging and an attempt upon 
the destruction of the kingdom of God. See how close the devil comes so many times in your life, how close he comes to absolutely almost killing you, almost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. talking you into kill yourself, almost that truck almost hit you, that, that, that whatever, whatever, that cancer almost killed you. But you're pulled back from the brink of death by, by just the, the, the power of God. The word, the will of God. And so, you know, many times we get so anxious, like, oh, no, we're very anxious about our lives, about how we're going to survive on this planet, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, what we're going to do, what will people think of me? You know, I think, um, who am I? Am I good enough? All of these anxieties that really can be completely absorbed and taken care of in one thing. That's just one simple thing. And that is in knowing that you are loved by God. I tell you what, if you're sick, if you need healing, if you're feeling abandoned, alone, guilty, those things are not going to help your healing. What is going to help the healing and promote and, and actually be your healing is the revelation of the love that Jesus Christ personally has for you. It's not just a blanket love of what Jesus loves everyone, Jesus loves the world. He does. But he has a specific compassion, fondness, tenderness, mercy, uh, eye watching over you, uh, as he watches over the little sparrows, um, and they're what? I mean, we, yeah, we all love the birds and the sparrows. They're sweet and everything. But what are they compared to you? What are they compared mm-hmm. to a human baby? What are they, you know, Jesus watches over with tender mercy and tears all of the babies that are being rejected. And many of them, like him, uh, are rejected even at the, even before they enter, even before they're born. Mm-hmm. So, but Jesus knows them all by name. And every one of you is known by by name. So you are not alone. But the revelation of that is very difficult sometimes to receive because Satan is so obstructed, obscured, walled you in, hemmed you in, terrified you, made you ashamed, made you afraid to tell the truth, know the truth, walk in the truth, stand in the truth. But now we're called, you know, as Mary. I mean, how embarrassing, how difficult. Her life was just peaceful and quiet and mundane and, you know, typical and she's going to get married to this good-looking guy, Joseph. And she's a young, pretty girl, probably not. And she's got, you know, just a very typical life going on. And now she is thrust with one word of agreement, you know, to the to the Holy Spirit, to the uh, to the angel. She is thrust into a, 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 a propelled, compelled into a whole different life, completely different. And and yet she's going to have to try to reconcile. Her, her, you know, her little life with her family and Nazareth and Galilee and Bethlehem and being pregnant and out of wedlock and what will people say? And wow, she just, I mean, in a second, in, 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 a, in literally one sentence, her whole life, one agreement, her whole life was changed. When the angel Gabriel gave her the word that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah, she said, okay. Be it unto me according to your word. Mm-hmm. So when she she was saying yes, she didn't realize fully, of course, what she was saying yes to. When you, when we say yes to the Lord, mm-hmm. we might be uh, very likely we're going to be majorly interrupted in a lot of areas because He has a plan and a yeah. purpose that may have been may be totally different than what we had in mind. And but mm-hmm. it's it's a good plan. And there's great blessing. I mean, there's great blessing. I mean, God saw Mary, and he, he, she was highly favored in his sight. She was pleasing to him. Mm-hmm. He, she had a purity of her heart and life. And 
but there was going to be, yes, great blessing. And, you know, Elizabeth said all generations are going to call you blessed. Mm -hmm. But then also what... Well, uh, just commenting on what you just said, her whole life was taken over. You know, like when God calls you and I to walk with him... You know, we get to, it seems like we get to pick and choose. Well, I'm going to give him 80% of my life today. Well, maybe tomorrow I'll pull it back to 30 because I had a couple of things I wanted to do myself. Right. You know, there, there's no 100%, 100% commitment every day, in and out, all the time. doesn't matter how I feel, what goes on, who, who says what, what the world looks like, what's happening out there. Really, she was not, contr- I mean, she still had a free will, don't get me wrong, but she was completely enveloped in this calling and um then her you know uh the the the, for with god nothing will be impossible that was um the angels that was his word that is his word to us nothing will be impossible nothing is impossible with god really seriously i was thinking that the other day you know you've got this big problem in your life you've got this big issue need prayer that never gets answered whatever whatever Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, you know, Elijah had a big problem too. He was, um, he was, you know, forced by God to run and hide from Jezebel. And he was sitting down after he had cursed the land, and it was bare, no no rain was going to fall for three and a half years or whatever. So he was hiding out. And God says, "Go hide out by the brook." Uh, Kidron, what was the name of the Kidron? Kidron, yeah, I believe it was. And and um, he says, "Now have the ravens feed you bread and meat." twice a day. Okay. That to me is impossible. I mean, that is impossible. Just like a lot of other things God does that are really crazy out there. Impossible. How would you, you know, God says, okay, you go, I'll have the, what bird, what raven, what crow would bring you food on a scheduled, you know, morning and evening meat and bread. And then you can of course drink out of the brook. And then of course, when the brook dried up, the raven stopped coming, I suppose. And then raven and crow, whatever. And then he was sent to a what? An old widow. I mean, widow. yeah, she had, um, she was a widow, but she had a child. And she was, she was walking out there in the, in the whatever, picking a few sticks up to make her last meal, cook a little food, a little bread and meal. She had a little flour and a little oil left and she was going to cook. And then Elijah had the audacity to come to say, hey, you know, I want you to make me a little cake first. Wow, that's pretty selfish. That's pretty... Dem- and I don't know if she knew he was a prophet or not. I mean, he probably looked like a prophet, probably sounded like, act like... But she conceded to doing that. And then he promised her, I don't know if he did, I can't remember if he promised her before or after, that her little bin, her little flower bin, and her little bottle of oil would not run out. Because she said, I'm making this last meal for me and my son, and then we're going to die. So here we have an impossible situation again. We have the ravens coming. That's impossible. We have this little, um, you know, last ditch effort. You're going to go to the poorest poorest person on the block and ask them for their last packet of crackers. I mean, you're just going (laughs) to eat it right out of their hand. And then, wow, then they're going to die. But this, this prophet, again, we're talking, he had no power except through what God told him to do. It was amazing. And so... They just all obeyed, and Mary here just obeying. Um, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. 
And the angel departed, and boom, she was pregnant. Just a little detail there: that the brook was named Cherith. It wasn't Kidron. Yeah, but I it thought was it was Cherith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in in First Kings uh, seventeen. So God five. is all in in. He's all into these impossible little things. I mean, that's a God. He he kind of like specializes in the impossible. And when you have a prayer, I mean, seriously, what the problem is. We focus on the problem. That's the problem. So the woman says, I'm going to make this little cake, this little meal, and then I am going to die. My son is going to die. We are going to die. You know, you and I, this prayer is never going to get answered. This is going to go from bad to worse. These people are never going to see the light. They're never going to be set free. Um, and, And, you know, it could very well be that, you know, they're more free than we think, or the answer is closer than we might think. But we're still blocked with the um, demonic uh, rendition of the problem, which settles in your soul. It settles in your mind. It settles in your will, your emotions, this this unbelief, this doubt, this giving up, this weariness, this anxiety settles in your soul, and you are walking in your soul and not in your spirit. And so when you're walking in your soul and not in your spirit, what happens is we stumble in, over the impossible becomes impossible. Because the mind cannot consider or wrap itself around a miracle. The mind does not have the capacity for faith, really. You say, uh, well, you know, I believe, I believe. I believe. What Your mind, I don't know if it has capacity um, for faith. It has capacity, really, for doubt. And so the faith that we're talking about has to come through our spirit and through knowing uh, faith is the uh, demonstration of, of our the obedience is the demonstration of our faith, but faith really comes from knowing that comes from your spirit of knowing that God can do these things. These are not a problem for him. Impossible things are not a problem. He has promised us that he would never leave us or forsake us. He's promised us. And if he's made these promises, if he does not keep them, he is a liar. So in your spirit, you can know stuff. So when you say, I believe, You actually can trump the belief by saying, I know, because I know God doesn't lie. So if my mind can believe it consistently or not, hold on to it consistently or not, if my mind is not reprogrammed, transformed by the renewing of my mind through the word of God, my mind is going to stumble and fail to keep the faith. It's going to be hit with doubt and unbelief. But if I go into my spirit and say, I know this is going to happen. This God is good. This is where we have to stay to keep away from that anxiety, walking in the spirit, knowing that what God's word says is true, that God does not lie, and that God wants us to understand what his word means so that we can have um, stability and strength and confidence in knowing. The principle of the scripture is, and for us today, is uh, the just shall live by faith. Okay. Mm-hmm. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yeah. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. So, Well, the faith is, is, is what it is. is it's his, his spirit bearing witness with our spirit. For, yeah, and, and where there is a, a knowing and there is a trust and there is a rest, mm-hmm. no matter what the circumstances yeah, are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus said, you know, that when he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Yeah. Now. There's in the scripture it talks about the faith, mm-hmm. which is basically the gospel, mm-hmm. right? The gospel of Jesus, the faith. Christ died, came as the Son of God, died on the cross, rose again, ascended to heaven, paid the price for our sins. Of course, before you know, and and then He's coming again. That's the faith 
But then there's there's faith, trusting God, no matter what. Now, are are we in that place today? Or like you said, some of us were in and out of faith. Mm-hmm. We trust and we freak out. We trust mm-hmm. and we freak out. When, and, well, and it's the a most, battle. One of the most. It's a battle. Mm-hmm. One of the most common statements in the Bible is fear not. Don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. He told Mary that. He told Joseph that. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. With God, all things are possible. So through through all the guts of life mm. all the chaos the, hard the complexities things. it's interesting what, the injustices don't in, forget injustices. the injustices it's full of them here he says um uh, luke chapter 2 when um this is now after the birth of christ they come to dedicate him and in the in the temple and, and simeon mm-hmm. sees um uh, joseph uh, Simeon, God had told him he wasn't going to die until he'd seen the Lord's Christ. Mm-hmm. So he comes to the temple. They're there in the temple. They'd offer the sacrifice, the purification sacrifices and so forth. Uh, uh, and But he said, um, Luke 2, 34, it says, Then Simeon blessed them. That means Joseph and mm-hmm. Mary and, and, and really. And then he says, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be what spoken against. Mm-hmm. And he says, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Wow, that, that's powerful. In other words, people are going to rise when they believe in Jesus. People are going to fall when they reject him. And and that's the same way today. Well, and they're going to get angry and vicious when they feel like he's taking the, the God of this world and this and his entourage are here to resist the rising of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and or that King of Kings and Lord of Lords establishing his kingdom here. And that's exactly what he did when he came. The Sermon on the Mount, etc., was to give us the kind of the rules the, the, of the kingdom. But here we see that, again, another prophecy that Mary was carrying this child, going to care for this child, watch over him, uh, provide him or her and Joseph his earthly needs as best they could. Uh, but eventually it was going to be, a, she was also going to be part of the pain, of the sacrifice. So she was going to re, re, uh, bear the pain because she loved him. And that's the problem. Sometimes we pull back from love. We're afraid of love. We're afraid to, this is the worst, this is the worst problem in the world, fear of love and being loved, fear of loving and fear of being loved. Because with love comes suffering. Love suffers. Love isn't a box of chocolates all the time. Love suffers. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. You love your children. And because you love your children, many times you suffer for your children because they don't get it. They're being attacked. They're being overwhelmed. And if you're in a situation like that, like a mother, her child, Jesus was not going to suffer through disobedience, but he was going to suffer through the the demonic assault. He was going to suffer for our disobedience. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, but when you see your child doing something wrong, going astray, not getting it, rebelling, being taken out, uh, deceived, uh, seduced, bewitched, you know, of course you're going to suffer, but the thing you need to know is go back to the God of the impossible. Instead of whining and carrying on and making your life miserable and making yourself and defeating yourself by feeling afraid, you need to cast fear down and say, you know what, I'm going to believe God. God didn't, I didn't bring forth this child for uh, to, to go to hell. I didn't bring forth this child for the mm-hmm. devil. I brought forth this child to be raised for the glory of God, and thy will be done, O God. And a lot of times God is actually taking your little precious child on a tour 
of, uh, you know, adversity so that you can learn how to walk in the fullness in the face of these kinds of things as a mighty warrior. The, the Navy SEALs and the Green Berets aren't made Navy SEALs and Green Berets with no adversity. There's a little suffering. There's a little intensity. There's a little uh, uh, focus. There's a little bit of a, applying yourself to the, to the principles, to the promise, to the plan. And so with God, the same thing is true. We're an army, the army of the Most High. Uh, sons and daughters, mighty warriors, all relevant to the same person. Yeah, and, and she, you know, Mary... And we know that Mary, from the scriptures, said she had at least four sons after Jesus was born. Okay, her Joseph and Mary, and then they had at least two daughters. Yeah, and and then they did not believe. You know, they had a hard the time children, believing. The, bro- the children the did sisters. not believe that their older oldest, oldest brother mm-hmm. was the son of God. And but then that would be hard to believe. Uh, it would be hard to believe. Yeah, and it certainly was understandable. But then Jesus, uh, Mary was there and saw her son crucified. And, Just but like that, Simeon had said. Then she realized that he was been, you know, he was risen from the dead. Mm-hmm. And then on the day of Pentecost, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers doesn't mm-hmm. say his brethren were there, mm-hmm. waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So those kids that did not believe, be, apparently became believers. Yes, amen. And were there on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out yeah. to empower God's people to declare Jesus Christ God as, as the king and to establish his kingdom, help establish his kingdom uh, in the hearts of people. This is what, what where he's wanting to establish his kingdom. Now, someday... The government of the whole world will be upon his shoulders. We'll see the full manifestation. He is coming, and with that, we can be encouraged. I mean, he's coming back into Jerusalem to the eastern gates that have been sealed up forever and a day. Jesus Christ is going to fulfill every promise of everything he's ever promised us, and we're part of this progression, this revelation. We're part of the Bethlehem story. We're part of of the reason Jesus came because he revealed it to us. And not everybody gets this revelation. I mean, there's billions of people out there that don't know about Jesus Christ or much about him. And God is selected. God has given you and I opportunity to receive him. And so, Father, today we just give you praise and thanks that you have brought revelation to us of your love for us, your salvation, the blood of Jesus, he being our sacrifice lamb, he dying on the cross, was he being born like us to be to take our place lord we thank you for your incredible um uh, solution to the problem of sin uh, through jesus christ uh, and through our willingness to follow him so you defeated your enemy through an agreement that we make with you that jesus made with you that mary made with you that zachariah made with you you're defeating the enemy by humans who agree with you to give you permission to assist um, uh, them and you assist them. They assist you in your plan of salvation and deliverance. So I thank, thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord, thank you that you have a plan and purpose for everyone that's listening to this today or this evening, whenever they're listening. Lord, it, we might not have a, an angel appearing to us, but there is a definite call. You know us by name. You know all about our beginnings, our where we are right now, and what our future is. And I just pray that Lord, everyone listening here, when you speak, that we would say yes to you mm-hmm. and follow you no matter what it costs. Amen. There'll be joys, there'll be trials and triumphs, but we thank you, Lord God. You it's are the, the victory. It's, it's Hallelujah. the best way to go. You are the King of kings and the Lord yes. of lords. We give you praise. We will follow you 
Amen. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.